You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I think we can all agree that we live in arguably the most beautiful state in the Union, overflowing with some of the most spectacular scenery and natural beauty and resources anywhere in the world. And that natural beauty has been a major factor in the increased population to the state of Colorado in the past decade plus. Many of these new residents are doing what Coloradans have enjoyed for generations, heading to Colorado's public lands to ski, hike, camp, fish, and otherwise recreate. Colorado's population is growing. Our mountains aren't. And therein lies the challenge. And that challenge has brought about an innovative new program called NOCO Places 2050, addressing growth and its impact in the way that public lands are managed here in the Centennial State. You're listening to Colorado Outdoors, the podcast for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. The podcast is powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. GOCO invests a portion of Colorado lottery proceeds to help preserve and enhance the state's parks, trails, wildlife, rivers, and open spaces. Its independent board awards competitive grants to local governments and land trusts and makes investments through Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Created when voters approved a constitutional amendment back in 1992, GOCO has committed more than $1.2 billion in lottery proceeds to more than 5,200 projects in all 64 counties without any tax dollar support. Well, today on Colorado Montours, we're talking about NOCO Places 2050. And here to tell us about it is a Deputy Regional Manager of CPW's Northeast Region, Shannon Schaller. Shannon, thanks for being with us here in Colorado Montours. Well, NOCO Places 2050, what's it all about? How did it get started? What does it mean? Give us the uh, background on it. Good morning, Mark, and good morning to everyone. Yes, NOCO Places 2050 is an exciting, new, pretty unique collaborative partnership between eight different county, state, and federal partners. And the goal of this group of people is to collaboratively work on the issues with all of the people out enjoying the outdoors. And when we've seen a a spike in the number of people out recreating since COVID, but really this is something we've been living with in Colorado for years. As people move here to enjoy the outdoors, we have a lot of people that want to get out and hike and bike and hunt and fish and all of that. And there are more people than the land can actually support and so we've come together as a group realizing that individually we can't tackle the challenges of managing people out in the outdoors and still preserving natural places we can't do it by ourselves and so collectively we're working together on some management strategies stewardship being inclusive and getting more people outdoors but getting people doing the right things outdoors and so it's it's a unique opportunity to collectively pull together in the northern front range to address uh, all of the challenges that come with people on the landscape but still protecting these resources and making sure people enjoy their time out there and they don't have conflicts when they're out there. So I'm really excited to be a part of it. I'm lucky to be CPW's representative and NOCO Places 2050 and excited to be here to talk about it today. 
you know, you're, what you're talking about is really a fascinating aspect of what's going on here in the Front Range with the influx of people and just the growing nature of what's happening here in the state of Colorado. It really is an enormous undertaking. Tell us about the, the impetus for this and, and, and why it's important for CPW to be at the table for this project. Yes, you're right. It, it is just an enormous challenge to really work through these things. And, you know, CPW has been a partner individually with different counties along the Front Range and the Forest Service and Rocky Mountain National Park. And so we have had partnerships, but this is really the first time that collectively we've all come together to say, hey, we're all experiencing very similar things, growing numbers of people outdoors. And so we've individually worked with these groups, but then we realized that the power is going to be in really leveraging our resources together and our ideas together and collectively sending the same message to our user groups because the same users that are in Jefferson County go to Larimer County and come to state wildlife areas. And it was this recognition that this problem was growing faster than we had the ability individually to work on. And so there's more power in you know, all of us coming together and saying, what can we do? How can we make sure Colorado stays a great place to be outdoors? and make sure that people are enjoying the outdoors, but that we have some management strategies that ensure that those outdoors stay great and people can still get outdoors. How about the, the geographical area we're talking about here? Uh, it, it's a large chunk of the Front Range, obviously. Uh, but tell us about why, why focus on, on that area and why limit it to that area? That's a good question. And what makes NOCO Places 2050 so unique is that it is such a large geographical area. And so NOCO stands for Northern Colorado. And it's uh, this group, which includes the eight county, state, and federal partners from Clear Creek up through Gilpin, Boulder, Larimer, Jeffco, and then includes CPW and Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, we just realized that the foothills where, are where a lot of the people live, the foothills in the Front Range. And... This area has seen such an increase in activity in our, our national forest here. Uh, you're going to hear from our deputy forest supervisor later, but it's one of the busiest forests in the nation, Rocky Mountain National Park, one of the busiest national parks, and all of our counties have just seen such an explosion in population and recreation, and we all overlap one another in some level of management that it, it made sense to um kind of tackle the challenges with a large geographic area, which makes it more difficult, but also um, it makes sense for this group to come together. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk about the collaboration, you got federal, state, local man, land management agencies. A lot of times when you get a group like this together, they've got different regulations, different objectives. How does this group make this work so they come together and, and have the same goal in mind? That's a great question, Mark. I mean, that that's what we've worked on as you know, committee members and partners in this group is talking about individually, we all do have our own regulations and our management goals and no co places 2050 won't replace that, but where we can align on certain ways to either uh, use parking lots or to facilitate moving people to and from places, that's where the power comes in our commonality. So we all have our own individual pots of money and how we use that money and how, you know, what our goals and objectives are for serving the public, but where we can align on common principles, that's where the power of NOCO Places comes in. And 
We're all trying to provide quality experiences, reduce user conflicts, protect natural resources, you know, bring people to the outdoors, be inclusive of all of that. And we've identified those areas where we can help one another, whether it's learning about timed entry um, reservation systems, you know, CPW is going to implement that at El Dorado Canyon State Park. And we learned a lot from Rocky Mountain National Park. So that's where those commonalities really do give us the power to help the public understand how to be better in the outdoors. And the more that all of us are saying common messages, the more it becomes a way of life for people as they have expectations for being in the outdoors. Well, Shannon, we wanted to have you on here on the podcast today to kind of set the table for NoCo Places uh, 2050. You've done a phenomenal job. Uh, because of that position, I'd like you to introduce the next two people we're going to have here on the podcast. Great. Well, I'm excited for you to, to listen to uh, Steve Kaufman, who is our consultant and coordinator for NoCo Places. He's, he's the guy who keeps the, the wheels going and keeps us organized and keeps us moving forward. He will be on here to talk. And then Aaron Mayville, who's the Deputy Forest Supervisor for the Arapahoe Roosevelt National Forest and the Pawnee National Grassland, or commonly referred to as the ARP, he's also going to be on here to talk. And like I said, his, his forest that he supervises is one of the busiest in the nation. So he brings a lot of energy and, and interest to working with us as a partner and in, in helping address what they're seeing on their forest was just you know, an immense increase in people outdoors. So I'm excited for you. Those those two guys will be great. They're full of energy, and, and we're really lucky to have them in NoCo Places. Well, NoCo Places 2050. It's an exciting time for CPW and all the collaborative agencies involved. Uh, Shannon, we appreciate you joining us here on Colorado Outdoors. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate being here and really excited about uh, being a part of NoCo Places 2050. Well, Shannon just gave him a great introduction. Let's bring on Aaron Mayville, Deputy Forest Supervisor for the Arapahoe and Roosevelt National Forest at Pawnee National Grasslands on the Colorado Outdoors as we talk about uh, this great new project going on with CPW and a number of other agencies. Well, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. To begin with here, you know, with the, the forest land that uh, is in this geographical area we're talking about here in the Front Range and all your lands get hammered really year-round by folks enjoying the great outdoors. Tell us a little about the usage of your national forest, maybe you know, what it's like today compared to 10 years ago and, and, and why this program is important. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Um, first of all, you got the title right. Um, it's, a, it's a long title and a really busy name tag, but <laughs> just kudos off the, off the top here. Um, yeah, so the Arapahoe Roosevelt National Forest, Pawnee National Grasslands, we, um, this, this national forest is the third most visited national forest in the nation. Um, seven and a half million visitors come here every year. And, um, and obviously, you know, those of us who live in these areas know that anecdotally. We feel that pressure, no doubt. That use has gone up. Um, the uh, Rappahoe Roosevelt National Forest was the fifth most visited national forest um, five years ago. Actually, it's supposed to be six years ago at this point. We do our, our uh, visitor use surveys every five years. And so there you go right there. Um, you know, use has grown, you know, specific to numbers. You bet. We've seen that. Uh, not just the numbers, you know, people coming, but also uh, the COVID bump. You know, we definitely saw that in 2020 and 2021 with folks saying, "Hey, I uh, I want to I want to experience the outdoors," and especially locals here in the Denver metro area and across the Front Range, they've got a great amenity, you know, right out their back door. So, what problems come with increased visitation like that? What 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 are the uh, in, you know uh, ingrained issues then that you deal with because of the, the amount of foot traffic we're talking about? Kind of boils down to, to 
several things. I mean, one is just all the things that come with over overcrowding, and that is parking lots filling up, that is trails widening or more footsteps on a trail, um, environmental damage, etc. You know, just the kind of the normal things you might think about. Um, the second is um, it's just an unhappy visitor experience. Sure. Uh, oftentimes, and you know, all the things I mentioned in the first point kind of contribute to that for some folks. And so, you know, it kind of runs the gamut. And, and so, you know, specifically we're seeing that on some of our high-use areas that were high-use previously, places like Mount Evans or Brainerd Lake, uh, busy trailheads uh, across the across the front range filling up quicker. Um, but then we're also just seeing that, like I said, with the visitor experience, we're, just, we're talking to our visitors. Folks are feeling that pressure. Folks are saying, hey, I used to go to this favorite site of mine, and I'm, I'm not going there anymore. I'm going over here. Right. So what we call that is displaced use. And that's another, that's kind of another phenomenon we're seeing is as the use grows overall, some places are filling up. And we, we call it, like, it's called squeezing the balloon. <laughs> right. You know, when, when something's constrained over here, it pops out over there. Yeah. And that's what we've been seeing across the entire landscape. You know, if I, when I listen to you talking as well, I'm thinking it's not, I'd imagine, not just visitation-related issues. How about behavioral issues? Are, are there things that you're seeing a more propensity for in some of these areas that impact negatively, you know, in the environment, wildlife, and other visitors? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So there are, there's always been a percentage of, of national forest and public land users that are either are newer out there or, or less educated on specific kind of rules and regulations or, or even just cultural norms on how to behave in the outdoors. And so there's always been a percentage of folks that, that are in that camp. I think as use has grown overall, therefore so has the number of new users and, and people in that category. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so yeah, it, it's incumbent on us as land managers and, and the folks you know, you're, you're talking to here to, to take a look at that and try to educate this public. It's, it's a good thing overall. I should, I should have said this earlier, but you know, it's a good thing overall that people want to get out and enjoy public lands and enjoy these beautiful natural spaces um, um, that we've got right so close to us. So it's incumbent on us to help educate folks on how to do that responsibly and how to do that um, well and so that we can keep these places nice for future generations. You know, and maybe you kind of answered this question uh, partially, but I'm wondering when, when we talk about some of the lack of educational behaviors, if I can term it that way. How do you mitigate that? Is it simply a, uh, an issue of, of trying to educate the public when they come out? Well, I think that's, that's definitely part of it. Um, it's, it's also part of the reason why we're excited about No Co Places 2050. It's, it's an opportunity for us as, a, as a, a group of land managers across this large landscape, right? Eight, eight uh, uh, entities, five counties, the state, the, the um, Forest Service and the Park Service um, to try to kind of combine our forces. Education is one component, right? You can put up signs, you can hand out leaflets, you can talk to people in a parking lot, um, but it's more than that. It's kind of meet, it's a, the other side of it is meeting people where they're at. So whether that's, you know, websites, whether it's podcasts, whether it's radio spots, and, um, and someone who wasn't actually necessarily seeking out the information says, and see that come across their news feed or come across their phone or yeah. on their TV or on their podcast. So um, I think that's the, the strategy we're trying to take is try to meet some of these people where they're at, in addition to some of the more traditional things like signage and leaflets and being very clear about what the rules are and, and how to responsibly recreate. You know, and part of the impetus, I, my guess, would be with uh, NOCO Places 2050 
is helping achieve a balance of activity in public lands. And I'd imagine uh, that has been, Aaron, a problem for a long, long time and, and an issue that CPW's been dealing with for a long, time, long, long time. How do you kind of achieve that, that balance of activity in all these public lands we're talking about? Well, I'll tell you, if, if we had an answer to that question, then uh, this would be a lot easier job. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> um, you. You're right that trying to achieve some kind of balance is absolutely our goal, and that's, that's true of the state. That's true of the federal land managers and, and our county partners as well. Is that you know we've got a really diverse population of people that we serve, and uh, they like to do all kinds of things. And fortunately or unfortunately, those things that they like to do conflict with, with some of the, the other uses sometimes. So our job is to try to deconflict that. But as as you said, try to achieve some kind of opportunity, recreational opportunity for everyone who wants to enjoy these lands. The the word balance is the right one. Um, because sometimes there are certain places that just do not accommodate certain uh, certain uses. You know, like there's wildlife considerations. There's there's neighbors that might not want to hear um, or be around recreational shooting. There's places where recreational shooting might make some sense. There's places where it doesn't. You could say the same for for any use on on uh, on public lands. And so trying to achieve that is a good thing. I mentioned earlier about the squeezing of the balloon. Yeah. And and how we how we do that. It's one of the things that, uh, that NOCO places, and I'm really excited about with NOCO places, because you can squeeze a balloon on a small scale and it pops out over there. You can do it on a little larger scale, it pops out over there. The idea of looking at this at a large regional landscape should help us when we're trying to do that balance of uses, because it gives us a larger landscape to, to look at and to try to accommodate if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, the other thing, as I'm sitting here listening to you speak, the other thing that, that makes sense is when you're talking about the great collaboration of all these different entities that come together for NOCO Places 2050, now you've got a broad range of experience and different viewpoints on uh, these issues. And I'd imagine from a solution standpoint, you got a, a little bit more, you know, some more ideas to work with, I guess you could say. That's exactly right. You know, co- collaborative efforts aren't a new thing. You know, people have been coming together to try to solve complex problems for years. Um, but what's, what's great about this particular effort is that we're all equal at, at, a, at the table. And I'll say that Arapahoe Roosevelt National Forest, is, just from a landscape perspective, kind of ties all these landscapes together. Clear Creek County and Larimer County don't have as many reasons to be in a room and talk together on a normal, on a normal day. Sure. But when you bring this national forest in and kind of tie these public lands together as one, we sit around a table of equals to try to solve these problems. Uh, each county, each partner, that, uh, group that we've you know, engaged with brings an expertise to the table. You're absolutely right. And so that's the collaborative spirit. That's why I think it's, a great, it's, a, it's been a great effort so far, just getting get minds together to try to solve some of these complex problems. Um, and then as we, as we start to operationalize and really get some work done on the ground, we'll be able to, to lean on each other to do that together. So I, you're, you're exactly right. I think it's, it's been a great uh, meeting, of the, melding of the minds. So you, you bet. So as you sit and kind of look at kind of the broader issues we're talking about here, I, I'm wondering, is, is some of the thought process about looking at, at certain areas of recreation or certain activities and maybe limiting or, or closing those areas or you know making uh, adjustments on occasion, is, is that part of the, kind of the thought process? That is. And, you know, we're still working on specifics. So, you know, it is a large landscape. As I've mentioned a couple of times, and so um, so we've we've done some mapping exercises and, and identified some places we call hot spots. 
Um, and those are those won't be surprises to you or or members of the public. It, maybe maybe we we devote some energy to those. Um, we're we're still kind of in in our pilot phase on on how we how we do operate on the ground together across the landscape like this. Um, I'd say you know some of the, the things we have done, which have been real successful. It started actually with the pound entry system in, at Rocky Mountain National Park. That was an idea they had to to address just you know large numbers of people coming there. Mm-hmm. The, the the NOCO partners came together and supported that that idea and helped that get through and implemented. And it was so successful in its first year that the, the you know, Rappel Roosevelt National Forest followed suit and instituted time entry systems at Mount Evans and at Brainerd Lake. And um, and those have also been incredibly successful. Ninety percent, no, ninety to ninety-five percent customer satisfaction um, with those uh, with those systems being implemented. So that's just, I think, the tip of the iceberg. But a good example of what we can do when we come together, support each other, to try to make some of these changes. And I will say, protect the places. Um, they've been they've been overrun for a long time, and sure. without some kind of management, we risk losing them in the long run. So as, as you're talking about kind of this collective uh, process you're going through, will, will there be collective enforcement of, of what we're talking about in, in terms of kind of the new uh, regulations or rules or guidelines? That's a great question. We've, we've absolutely talked about that as an idea. We, we, we're not ready to implement anything like that just yet. But, but yes, the collective pooling of resources is something I'm excited to explore, uh, whether that's just funding resources, whether it's our collective knowledge or enforcement on the ground um that's that's absolutely an idea that's been floated around there are as you can imagine there are complexities with with uh, a group this big and various authorities and and uh, boards of county commissions and policies and regulations etc and so sifting through all of that will take a little bit of time but i'm i'm hopeful that we will be able to navigate through all that and do some collective uh collective on the ground work including enforcement well, he's got a job title that's uh, very tough to put on a business card, but he brought us some great information about NOCO Places 2050. <laughs> Aaron Mayville, we appreciate you joining us here on Colorado Outdoors. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for bringing attention to this issue and look forward to chatting again. And last but certainly not least, we talked to Steve Coffin here on Colorado Outdoors as we're talking NOCO Places 2050. He's the consultant and coordinator for the uh, website, the program. Steve, welcome to the podcast. To begin with here, just give us a bit of history, the background, and how this group got together and kind of where this whole idea came from. Sure, Mark. Happy to. Thanks for having me. Um, the idea actually uh, grew out of some discussions about uh, four years ago, probably late 2018, early 2019, somewhere in that time frame where uh, some of us started talking about, look what's happening in the mountains today, how you can hike up trails and, and, and the congestion starts three to four miles down from the trailhead and with parked cars lined up along the roads and you're hiking up in a conga line. And, and, uh, uh, and we saw that uh, this was pre-pandemic, uh, and we saw then that uh, this trend was likely to continue because of population growth sure. that Colorado was, uh, planned, uh, was going to experience. And then the pandemic hit, and it got even worse. But uh, so some of us started getting a little concerned a few years ago that Colorado was at risk of losing what makes us a special place. So I spent about a year talking to a whole bunch of thought leaders in the environmental community, in the business community, and government. And out of that came this idea that the long-term solution to this has to be one that brings all 
jurisdictions, and by all I mean federal, state, and county, together on a regional basis, not in one specific location, but across a region, and look at ways that all of those agencies, federal, state, and county, could change the way they do business and blur the bureaucratic boundaries between each of them and do things differently, share resources differently, collaborate more, share responsibilities differently. So that's really what gave uh, birth to this idea. Uh, And it just so happened that at the same time the idea was giving birth, that there was a group that was already in place that included those public land agencies uh, uh, at the federal, state, and county level in the NOCO region uh, that had been working on sports shooting partnerships for a few years. They were wrapping up their work because they'd come up with a plan and it was moving on to implementation. When they heard about these discussions, they said, let's let's tackle this issue. We're the public land decision makers for our region, and uh, this is our responsibility, and we care about this. So let's reconstitute ourselves as uh, NOCO Places 2050, shift away from a focus on recreational sports shooting, and uh, focus on this issue. So when you're talking about something of this magnitude, and, and you're trying to hone this down and, and you know, kind of get a focus on it, if you will. Talk about the objectives and the core principles that Noco Places 2050 is focused on. Sure, happy to. Um, and actually, and that was something we didn't know at the beginning. Uh, and, uh, uh, and so what we ended up deciding to do uh, was spend about a year researching what we called core topics. These are topics that are just so fundamental to the long-term management of public lands in this region that we needed to make sure that Everybody understood those issues because we had varying levels of understanding. I mean, you've got the Forest Service or uh, Rocky Mountain National Park that are deeply steeped in this stuff, and they know this stuff well. And then there's other counties like Gilpin, for example, that had, has no public lands staff at all. And so their level of familiarity with some of the issues and challenges and opportunities was, was much more limited for obvious reasons than it would be with something like the Forest Service. So we spent a year researching what we call core topics, and these are things like climate change and the impact on forest health, what's happening with wildlife, what's happening with equity and diversity and inclusion on public lands, and a number of other factors, a number of other issues. And so from that came really two things. One was that common level of understanding among all the parties. Uh, And then the other was we developed some principles and guidelines based on that. So those principles and guidelines are going to be helpful. We also developed some uh, core principles that, um, that in general we wanted to follow, and those were things like this needed to be holistic um, in terms of solutions. It can't. This is much more than a public land management problem. This is all of our problems. It, it relates to tourism. It really relates to economic development. It relates to transportation. It relates to all, a whole host of issues. So it needs to be a holistic approach. Inclusive uh, was one of the things that came out of all this. We've got to make sure that we make our lands welcoming and respectful for all, um, and adaptable, uh, and that goes to the 2050 and the NOCO Places 2050 name. We, we are in this for the long term. These solutions are going to take years to fix, and, and as they get addressed, the situation on the ground is going to change and evolve, and so we need to be able to adapt those solutions to those changing conditions. Uh, financially sustainable, a number of other things like that. So those Kind of, those are some of the core principles and guidelines that are framing our long-term solutions and our work on long-term solutions. 
you just touched on something that I was going to ask you about. I mean, here we sit here in 2022. The name of the uh, program is No Cup Places 2050. There's there's a long game involved in this, and, and you guys are looking, you know, down the road a long way. That that's quite an undertaking taking uh, for this group, and 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 what is going to take a huge collaborative effort, isn't it? Oh, no question, no question. But the key, the thing that gets me so uh, uh, excited, I guess, is the right word is the commitment of each of these agencies to that long-term uh, um, planning effort and, and to being at the table for the long-term. We've got people who, people who you know, run these large agencies or have helped run these counties. Um, these are very, very busy people, and yet they are at our meetings once a month um, and without fail. Uh, they are committed to the long-term, and they are committed. Yeah, and not only are they committed to what we're doing today, but they're very committed to staying in place and keeping this going for the long term. So, look, it's, it's the commitment of the agencies is just so so impressive um, uh, and so extraordinary. And that's essential for this day. So as you look at this program, who, who would you say is the intended audience? Who, who are the people you're trying to reach out there? Well, let me, let me back, before I answer that, let me back up just a little bit. Um, so we've got eight agencies, five counties, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, and two federal entities, Rocky Mountain National Park, which is part of the Department of Interior, and the Rappaport Roosevelt National Forests, which is part of the Department of Agriculture at the federal level. Uh, as you can imagine, that um, none of those entities are able to uh, give up their authority and their autonomy and agree to something that is some massive new new plan for the whole region. They can't do that. Um, so what we're doing is we're pursuing solutions on two paths. One is each of those agencies is still developing their own plans. Those plans, though, are going to be informed by and guided by the principles we came up with through our core topic research uh, and uh, in collaboration with the others. So those agencies are going to continue doing their thing, but it's going to be informed by the collaborative work. The second kind of set of solutions we're going to be doing is there are things that we can do collectively that don't require giving up authority and autonomy. So we're focusing on those as well. So there's two paths. And, and ultimately, with both of those, they're both in kind of different schedules. Um, but as those paths progress, the ultimate target audience is going to be the, the general public, the folks who are coming up to recreate and visit these public lands. And to a broad extent, all Colorado, ultimately, that's what this, the target audience is. But as each of these plans are developed, whether it's an agency-specific plan or a collective plan that we're all doing, uh, we're going to start doing public engagement uh, and um, uh, reaching out to users, recreationalists, uh, residents of the area, everybody we need to be reaching out to. So ultimately, at the end of the day, it's virtually all Coloradans as our target audience. You know, this really is a concentrated educational campaign, uh, I, I would think. And talk a little bit to that point, and, and maybe specifically about the know-before-you-go concept. We've heard that mm-hmm. mentioned here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, that, that actually is something we're uh, kicking off on this summer. This is the first time we've done this. The eight agencies have come together and developed a common message that we're all going to be communicating, so we're going to be issuing a press release, and we've got a video that's going to be um, – on YouTube and post on our website, and each of the agencies are going to be distributing some collateral materials and some um, social media we're all going to do it. So the point is we're all going to be saying the same thing to visitors this summer, uh, beginning uh, before, actually just in the next couple of weeks before Memorial Day. Um, uh, 
with this message of know before you go. And the whole point of that is before you go out, uh, before you leave your house to go out on a hike or a camping trip or whatever, road, road bike, mountain bike, make sure you uh, prepare in advance. And by, by prepare, we mean not just bring the right gear, which is a big issue. You've got to prepare for, you know, and plan for all kinds of weather. Sure. But take a look at where you're going. Is there parking? Uh, some of these places have, play, have, have the ability to uh, pull up the parking lot online and see, is it full already? If it is, then plan to go someplace else. Um, do, what are the regulations for this region? Does it allow dogs? Does it not allow dogs? Uh, can they be unleashed? Can they be leashed? Take a few minutes before you go to your destination and do a little bit of research and prepare. So, um, so that way we avoid congested parking lots, uh, we can help avoid them. Uh, we can help avoid interfering with wildlife. If your dog's off leash, it's not supposed to be. You can you can take better care and be a better steward of our natural resources. You know, as we talk with you and we talk with Aaron and Shannon, uh, all of you talk about the collaboration between the, all the different agencies involved. And, and maybe you touched on this a little bit, but expand upon the thought about how this group was identified and, and how you determine what agencies and partners are going to be involved in this process. Back to what I said earlier about how um, uh, the sports shooting partnership had been in existence for several years before dealing with that with uh, sports shooting problems or challenges, um, and it's the same group that was that that group was wrapping up their work, and we're going to fold up shop, uh, and uh, that's when they heard about us. So basically, it was the same group of agencies that were, had been together for five years. So they'd already developed a working relationship. Uh, collaborative relationship, built some trust. That same group basically just shifted focus and took this on. So okay. uh, that's why those agencies are there. But also, let me mention a couple of other points. This is so our NOCO region is essentially the foothills on the east to the divide on the west, and I seventy on the south to the Wyoming border on the north. So it includes those five counties we've got. Uh, the Rapid Roosevelt Forest, Rapid Mountain National Park, and PPW properties in that region. Um, this is a problem that is affecting far more than just this region in Colorado. It affects the San Luis Valley. It affects uh, the West Slope. It affects um, uh, Summit counties, Eagle counties. Um, and, but, and, but we knew we could not try to tackle the entire state at one time. Uh, because it would just it would be such a huge undertaking with dive its own weight. So we needed to find a defined geographical region to tackle this issue. Uh, and so that's another reason we chose this this um, region. Um, since then, um, the good news is the um, 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 Colorado Parks and Wildlife has started its regional partners program. So now you're seeing other efforts uh, that are um, happening across the state to address the same challenge. So. So when you look at this group, they've, they've all got their individual funding. But, but collectively, as this group goes to work and continues down the road with NOCO Places 2050, how's this group funded? Uh, when we first got our start, we weren't sure, you know, what we were doing. And so we kind of cobbled <laughs> together funding from a whole bunch of sources. Um, but uh, over the last couple of years, as we uh, um, kind of solidified our footing, we had, got a grant from the Department of Local Affairs at the state, and then that was supplemented by um, uh, contributions from each of our eight agencies, uh, and uh, uh, going forward, 
the funding was going to primarily come from the eight agencies and grants that we're going to uh, apply for, for okay. various programs that we're going to be doing. So as you look at this project moving forward, and, and again, it's, it's aggressive, um, it's impressive on, on many fronts. How do you view this process moving forward as, as you're looking down the road over the next uh, you know, two, three decades? I'll be the first one to say we have been making this stuff, this, this stuff up every step of the way. There's no manual for what we're doing. And in fact, I think what we're doing is unprecedented in right. the country. Um, so we're making it up. Uh, so we're going to take it one step at a time. Um, I think that the commitment of the agencies uh, is deep and is, and is um, steadfast. And so I think they're going to be there for the long run. Um, and I think that, uh, so I think as a group, we're strong, solid, and we'll continue. We're going to be developing various plans over the next few years, some of which are going to be collective things that we're doing, some of which are going to be agency-specific things. Uh, so I think we're going to quickly be uh, deep in the uh, mode of developing these various plans and solutions for the next few years, and then we're going to have to adapt, see how sure. conditions change on the ground and, and modify our plans as appropriate. Well, this is a, an amazing undertaking and, and, and one that's going to certainly bless the front range. And really, uh, by the time it's all said and done, the overall state of Colorado from a recreational standpoint and, and great important work. Hey, Steve, we appreciate you joining us here in Colorado Outdoors. Thank you very much. Our thanks to Shannon Schaller, Aaron Mayville, and Steve Coffin for bringing us the vision that is NOCO Places 2050. For more on this groundbreaking initiative, check out the website at www.nocoplaces2050.com. Remember, for anything and everything pertaining to Colorado Parks and Wildlife, go to our website at cpw.state.co.us. Thanks for joining us on Colorado Outdoors, powered by Great Outdoors Colorado. I'm your host, Mark Johnson. Until next time, get out and enjoy the great outdoors of our beautiful state of Colorado. Colorado Parks and Wildlife is a nationally recognized leader in conservation, outdoor recreation, and wildlife management. The agency manages 42 state parks, 960-plus species of wildlife in Colorado, more than 350 state wildlife areas, and a host of recreational programs from hunting and fishing to the state's trails program, boat registration, snowmobiles, off-highway vehicles, and more. All of its management is in perpetuity for the enjoyment of Coloradans and its visitors.